Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. Uh, you know, this is an article that I, I suggested you take out, but, but you can leave it in if you can find the uh, 10 lifestyle habits to increase your risk of cancer, which they talked about. They talked about a program that they're going to have um, tomorrow. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, if you can find the, the 10 healthy, actually talk about that, I couldn't find it. So that's why I told you to take it out. But if you can find them, fine. Uh, this, this is the invitation to the, to the session. Right, yeah, yeah. That's all it is, an invitation to the session. Don, can you... Uh... You can go to the next one because that's can you, all. Can you click on that link? Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't, all it does allow you to register. Yeah. So it's done, always done. Let's okay. go to the next article. Yeah. Uh, the 11 biggest benefits of walking. And this is an interesting article because yeah. we talk about many exercises. We don't talk a, a lot about how just walking can uh, do so many different things for you. Uh, and of course, <laughs> John Buchanan takes his, what is your hour to hour walk? It's, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, I did 6.6 uh, day before yesterday. I did six yesterday. Uh, I tried to do it three times, three times a week. That sounds good. And anyway, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, you see how they talk about a glass of wine or uh, Dark chocolate can uh, help you with a little stress as well. But uh, uh, the fact that walking can improve your mood. Remember, we talked, we had a lot of talks about moving with Dr. Bland last week. And uh, so helping with stress is one thing it does as well. It doesn't, it doesn't burn a lot of calories, but it does help. And uh, uh, especially if you're on a, on a that that is as few calories, but if you, uh, it's not as great in terms of losing weight as it is as when you live longer. But but it does do that as well, especially if you walk six miles as you do. <laughs> you know, um, it's you 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 might think that it's strange about going out on a really cold day. You know. You mute it. Uh, a really hot day, or you know, um, you'd be surprised how when when you're moving on a hot day it cools you down, and when when you're moving on a, a freezing day, you you really don't need that that many clothes on, except maybe to, to cover your face, um, to to make you comfortable while you're walking. You know, you just get to that to that level, and it's it gets comfortable. Really, I think you're right, and you also, if in, when you get up to 100 degrees, then then that walk will help you lose weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's an easy way to 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 improve your health, and it talks about reducing your risk of chronic diseases, uh, which is lowers your blood pressure as well, and. Uh, so another benefit of, uh, of walking. <laughs> Delaying the onset of varicose veins 
uh, that's an interesting uh, concept. I don't know how much, how much, how much it can delay it because uh, uh, sometimes they're inevitable. But walking is good for the circulation, the venous circulation. So, and of course, it helps you to have uh, bowel movements and helps your digestion. So, it's another thing that's good. And also, if you have, this is one of your goals, uh, reaching goals becomes stress redu reducing. So, yeah. And so, uh, help you become creative. It can help alleviate some joint pain. Some, some joint pains make it so bad you can't walk. But anyway, uh, uh, the earlier you start walking, the less likely you're to have some of those joint pains. <clears throat> the fact that it can boost your immunity is something that is also an added value. Uh, and of course, when we're talking about COVID, it's something you want to do. And then uh, some people think it it's, it's, can help you live to be 100. Well, uh, it shows that people who are active live longer than those who don't more inactive. Uh, the only thing it doesn't tell you is that uh, if you can't walk, then you can't be active. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. And it helps you sleep, which is another benefit. Now, this talks about the melatonin. Any of you take melatonin for sleep? Let's get fine. If fine, fifty percent of people who take it say it helps. Fifty percent people say it doesn't. Anybody take it for sleep? Charles, what, what did you say about melatonin. it, Doctor Cowan? Anybody take it for sleep? Yeah, melatonin. Yeah, I do. This My is so Does my husband does too? Does yeah. it work? Yeah. My husband said yes. Oh, good. Yeah, this uh -huh. is Sylvia. I take it, and it does help when I can't fall asleep. Okay, good. Okay. It's, it's one of the, the drugs for sleep that doesn't have many real side effects, so it's safe to take. Okay. Now, this is a, we talked about depression last week, and one of the things that we didn't talk about is the fact that in children, it has uh, doubled, especially in Black children. And the isolation and other things that have gone along with COVID have made uh, mental health and anxiety a real crisis. You can see how it's, it's more than doubled. And uh, the isolation is probably the biggest part of it. Social isolation is one of the most important things that helps us to mature and grow. Taking it away has done uh, a lot of bad things for uh, children and, and adults. Adults have gained weight and been depressed and anxious. Dr. Callender, you know, there was a report that a lot of black 
parents are not sending their children to back to school. Um, you know the rationale for that? No, I don't, because it, it's not a good idea. I don't know why they're not sending them back to school. Okay. Have you read anything about it? I've heard a lot of, um, on news reports, they said that uh, Black parents are, especially, I've forgotten which areas, but they decided not to send their children back to school because of their response to the COVID. But I was just wondering why our race, particularly, especially since our children are suffering from depression more. Well, I guess that it's probably related to uh, lack of information, because that's one of the worst things you could do is, uh, uh, although there are some parents who uh, are going to home train them, you know, if, you, if you're an expert, it, it has its advantages, but there's so many disadvantages that uh, it's not a good idea. So I don't know the reason why they're doing it. The question. Now, this is a, a study that, uh, in a lot of the uh, uh, COVID studies, uh, are more applicable to the uh, earlier variety of COVID viruses. And some of this has changed in the Delta because they said that one in a million children would get COVID. Uh, uh, and that is true for the uh, for the risk of death. And uh, the question is, uh, is that also true for Delta? It's probably not as true for Delta in the sense that they will get infected, but the serious consequences of the infection, however, are not clear for Delta. But you can see that uh, uh, the risk of COVID in England and children was uh, uh, not common. And uh, you can see this, this slide kind of tells it all in England anyway. How much this is trans transferable to us remains to be seen. So the question is, and we're, we're talking about children, we're talking about people under 12. And, uh, and the question was not so much as whether children needed the virus, needed the vaccine, but certainly the, the adults need the vaccine. The teachers do. Uh, and it, so it seems that uh, uh, the risk uh, is greater for the students, teachers than it is for the uh, students. And this also brings up a question, uh, is, is the risk benefit ratio uh, sufficient for children under 12 to get the coronavirus vaccine? That's a question that remains. And, uh, and uh, it'll take time for us to get the data on the Delta. Uh, because uh, uh, this is only up to February 2021 and, and much has changed with the Delta variant, although uh, uh, this article doesn't recognize that, but it has changed. 
That is an article I included because uh, uh, it's interesting that people have concluded that women are healthier than men. And that's because they live longer. And uh, we won't even talk about uh, Bobby Riggs and his claim that uh, a whole man could beat a young woman and uh, had a $100,000 purse that uh, Billie Jean took from him because he was wrong. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, as, as you look at it, uh, there is evidence that uh, that the estrogen is protective in, uh, in women. And maybe one of the reasons why they live longer, whether it's that extra X chromosome or, or the uh, estrogen that is a consequence of that remains to be seen. But uh, there is, the data does uh, does allow one to conclude uh, that in many areas, uh, of course, uh, when we look at longevity, uh, we know well that uh, the uh, difference between the age of death for women is 79 versus 72 for men. And, uh, and here again, they talk about estrogen combating some of the things that men die from. And so, uh, but it's interesting for transplantation, that's not the case. It's interesting that uh, women are more often donors than uh, men and their success rate in transplantation is not quite as good as men in instances, many instances. But in, in the final analysis, it does appear that uh, women are healthier than men and they live longer. Now, some may wonder, does that mean that women are also as smart as men or smarter or less smart? And of course, there aren't very many articles on that, but uh, uh, I'm led to believe that uh, they at least are as intelligent as men and maybe more so. It's funny because when you try to get something done efficiently and efficiently, uh, Many groups are most dependent upon the female of the species. Uh, and and that makes you wonder. Any questions about that before we go to the COVID vaccines? Yeah, I have a question. Um, the fact that you're talking about the efficiency of women and everything, uh, sometimes people believe that secretary and, and woman are synonymous. You know, secretary, most secretaries are women. It's kind of the same thing I was getting ready to say. <laughs> well, but I don't say it, but what does that mean? All that means is that women have that's a job that they have uh, decided that women can do. That doesn't mean that uh, uh, that all secretaries should be women. And just like nurses, most nurses are women. And it may well be because Miss, uh, that's a job that they uh, decided to give to women. 
and also because maybe because women are more sensitive than men and more generous than men. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, that's, that is true about secretaries, but I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think recent history has shown that the stereotypes, I think, have drastically changed. There are a lot of male secretaries, definitely male nurses. Uh, of course, it's higher females in those categories. But recently, it's changed. It's quite different than it used to be years ago. Well, didn't we say one time that a female doctor has more emotional intelligence oh, than a oh, oh, <laughs> male doctor? Oh, oh. No, we did not say that. We did. Uh, no, what we said was that if you ask patients, they think that female doctors are more sensitive than, uh, they didn't say anything about emotional intelligence. They talked about sensitivity. <laughs> other things. Uh, anyway, I've always rejected that, but patients haven't. Patients have identified women as being the best, the better doctors yeah. uh, because they're more sensitive and uh, uh, they made better doctors. That's what the patients have said. So I, uh, you know, so, uh, Dr. Callender, uh, the patients have also said that if they're in the hospital and they're sick and everything, they would prefer to have a, a female nurse. Females would prefer a female nurse and men would prefer a female nurse. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, as, as has been stated. Now, of course, when you go to the hospital still, while there are more male nurses, you're still about uh, eight, uh, eight to two. Uh, the male nurses are still not common, but there's, there's certainly more than there used to be. There used to be none, or rare. Now it's common. And uh, I just but, that goes back to what um, was assigned years ago. You know, the women just did those jobs. That, that's what they gave us, and and men did the other jobs. So uh, that goes for secretaries, nurses, uh, anything like that. that they, they just thought that was a woman's job. So back when, so it's just beginning to evolve. We have a, a, a guest on our call here, participant, Reverend Carlos Younger. And I'm sure that he can unmute, he's, he's using a nurse now, and uh, I bet you he could uh, tell us a little bit about his situation and his preference between a, a male nurse and a female nurse. Carlos? Young? Good, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you, John, for putting all my business out. <laughs> no, I am uh, I, very unique. Very unique. Um, I had a male uh, attendant and now I have a female. Uh, the, and the only reason for change, he wouldn't work two cents. But um, I preferred a male because if I get into a situation where um, I need to keep from falling or being transported, I, I just couldn't do it myself. I felt that the male would be more equipped to make it happen. But then from the from a 
you know, watch my body type thing. Also, uh, I, I'm more inclined to want, would want a I feel more comfortable. That's a good word with a male. Um, and, I, and I think that's the situation. It depends on what you feel more comfortable with. I think men feel more comfortable with men in that regard, and women obviously more comfortable with women. That's my two cents. Well, thank you for your thoughts. Any other thoughts on the subject? Yeah, yeah I got a couple thoughts. Uh, I always prefer a female doctor because I think they're more empathetic, a higher emotional intelligence, and I like to support my sister. And then, <laughs> I like to support my sister. Uh, then the other thing is that, uh, like you said, estrogen seems to be uh, protective for health. And uh, one of the biggest enemies of women's estrogen is uh, consuming alcohol because it, um, uh, it depresses production of estrogen and increases production of testosterone. So women got to be careful about drinking. And then it seems that um, the more pregnancies a woman has, uh, it delays the onset of menopause, which could be very helpful to women's health and promotes longevity. So um, when the Bible said, be fruitful and multiply, it's talking about how women can be healthier. So how many children do you have to have before? <laughs> I want to know whether I need to go and have a couple more. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the different uh, opinions about it. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Um, this is an article that is timely because, uh, uh, and you notice it's a British article because uh, uh, they have they have the Delta variant before we did, and uh, it's interesting to see how uh, uh, they compared the effectiveness of the different uh, from the Moderna and the Pfizer. And uh, we talked about it a little bit last last week, and, uh, uh, and as time goes on, it becomes clearer that uh, the Delta variant is 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 more problematic than the other uh, variant, and uh, uh, we have more breakthroughs, of course, with the Delta, and uh, this then is making us get to the point, as somebody mentioned earlier, that uh, uh, the CDC and other groups are now indicating that that's the reason they are supporting having a booster shot after eight months, uh, primarily because of the, uh, the uh, breakthroughs that occur with the Delta variant. And so this then, uh, Cause one to look at all of the different viruses to see how they uh, were affected by the uh, Delta variant. And you could see that uh, they all reduced the risk of death by more than 85% regardless of the variant. But it, it, there's data that you see down below that suggests that the Moderna was even more effective than Pfizer and that AstraZeneca was the least uh, effective of the three, although all of them are effective against Delta, but uh, you can see how uh, uh, fully vaccinated people are 
are testing positive and actually uh, uh, dying from Delta. Uh, most of them survive, but it's still clear that uh, uh, the, the Delta variant uh, is, is more resistant to some of our antibodies and uh, it's also data that uh, suggests that those people who only receive one, one shot are less effective at uh, uh, throwing off the Delta variant. However, it does. It is uh, uh, enough evidence to support the use of recommending uh, a booster dose for those who, after eight months, which is the line that they're taking now. Of course, that means that. Uh, uh, the uh, vaccine producers will make a lot more money, but uh, it's the issue is uh, the fact that it may be beneficial. And uh, Dr. Callender, um, where did they get the eight months from? Did you mention that? Well, I, I think they 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 decided that after six months, there was some evidence that the uh, amount of uh, antibody titer was decreasing, neutralizing antibody was decreasing. And so they uh, theorized that maybe that would be the time to uh, take the booster. Thank, thank you. There's another article that talks about wise or wasteful. And I think that before, the Delta variant, uh, most people thought it was not, it was wasteful. That has changed. And this, that has nothing to do with the immunocompromised patients because they, that's a different story. They need the boost and there are many studies that demonstrate that their titers are increased with the booster shot. But for the other people uh, who don't, who are not immunocompromised, uh, the booster shot uh, has become particularly uh, important now that the Delta variety and uh, the Lambda variety looms large. So that, uh, uh, as we all know now, that uh, they've come out and identified that everybody should get a booster shot at eight months. And of course, around that time is the time for some to start uh, their flu vaccine, which uh, I don't recommend before uh, October, but anyway. I had a question, Dr. Callender. Um, is there a uh, any kind of recommendation about getting those two shots at the same time, the flu and the, the COVID? There's been no recommendation yet, but I, I don't see any any problem with getting them at the same time. But there's been no recommendation yet. Dr. Callender, for the boosters, do we have to get the same shot? If we get Pfizer first, you get Pfizer again and not one of the others? I don't think it matters. But uh, 
if you can get the same thing, it's probably desirable. But I think uh, as long as it's the the uh, uh, same type, for example, if it's uh, Moderna, Moderna and uh, Pfizer, all both are RNA viruses. So I'm sorry, vaccines, and so uh, it probably would make a difference. Uh, for the Johnson Johnson, it's suggested that you get one of the RNA vaccines. But, however, the Novolox uh, vaccine, which has not yet been uh, approved, has potential uh, to be effective as well, but that has not yet been approved. Dr. Gallander. Yes. Uh, Mr. Carlos here. Uh, I don't, just a point of clarification, because I don't remember, but my son keeps uh, fussing about this, and I'm, I want to refute him if I can. Um, the Moderna and the Pfizer, they both received um, clearance through the, what's it called, the FDI? FDA. Yeah. Is it correct? Yes. Okay. So on, on FDA, if Go ahead. Approved Moderna and Pfizer and uh, uh, Johnson Johnson. Johnson. Okay. So both, of those, both of those were emergency approval. All of them are. Okay. Oh, okay. Emergency approval. So, yes, all of, okay. all of them are emergency approvals. Uh, all right. All right. I'll, I'll admittedly, you can stop fussing, go get his shots. <laughs> yeah, he claims. He claims. If they approve, I'll I'll take them right away. Like what? Well, there's emergency approval now. Now maybe he's waiting for the. There's another type of approval that uh, he may be waiting for because uh, there is a different type of approval, uh, which uh, which has not yet been obtained. What kind of approval that? Uh, that's, uh, in other words, all they have right now is emergency approval. That's the only approval they have. Okay. So, so let's say our normal medicines that we deal with every day, they went through. They went through the, the first phase, which is emergency approval. Then they got the full approval. Okay. So, the, so these are missing the full approval. That's correct. Well, it's not, they, they, it is, it is, you're right. In a sense, it's done under emergency because uh, uh, it was desperate to save people's lives. Uh, but after a period of time, you need to apply for the uh, full approval, which is, has nothing to do with the emergency. And I, that may be what your, your uh, son is referring to. Okay, okay. Because the uh, flu vaccine has the uh, uh, approval and has nothing to do with the emergency. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, cool. All right, thank you. Okay. And this, of course, is something that we, and I guess Mr. Tatum already has gotten his, his third shot, but studies have demonstrated that uh, people who are on steroids, immunosuppressed, their immune titers, uh, doubled uh, after uh, the third shot. So it is now recommended for those patients, transplant patients, people undergoing cancer treatment and HIV uh, required a, a booster shot. 
Any other questions about this? Because I think we've talked about this sufficiently, perhaps. And this then, of course, is the uh, most recent uh, August 17th recommendation that uh, boosts at eight months. I think the earliest would be uh, September. That's when most people started getting the doses, December and January. Now, Dr. Callender has also uh, recommended that people over a certain age. Over 50, yeah. Get the third shot, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are concerned that this is going to decrease the amount of vaccine available to developing countries. And uh, it remains to be seen. Anybody have any uh, thoughts about, uh, you know, I think um, Bill Gates was in one of the papers that we didn't study talked about the importance of having the vaccine available for all human beings. And talked about the fact that uh, it is in our best in interest to have all humans uh, vaccinated because uh, then you don't have these variants coming out. Uh, and so uh, one of the interesting things to appreciate is that while we talk about institutionalized racism in the United States, which it is certainly noted for, uh, that kind of uh, uh, putting one group over another is common in all, all countries. And uh, I think it's, it's something that is, is killing us. And we got to get to the point where we don't have a majority minority health disparity, but we have everybody that has the same kind of health care. We don't have that in the United States. There are some countries that have universal health care, uh, but we don't. And this is something that we need to uh, fight for. Other question, Dr. Callender. There's uh, um, a radio ad I listened to yesterday. I had to turn it off because it was so stupid, but I want to just throw it out there. They were talking about um, uh, President Biden was giving away our uh, viral our vaccine technology to China and Russia. Is, I mean, <laughs> is, that, is that retarded or? or <laughs> what are you giving out? away? I, I don't understand. Uh, that, you know, that, one of the things about uh, theoretically about medicine is that uh, you try to uh, make it, whatever advances you make, you try to share with everybody else. So that should be the natural thing. And we shouldn't try to take it, keep it for ourselves. We should try to give it to everybody else. Uh, why not? I think that's, that's desirable. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Some people look at it as, as uh, something that we should keep in isolation, but uh, that doesn't help us. That hurts us. I believe so. I mean, they're, they're politicizing science. It's very <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we should be opposed to that. John, I thought I saw that too, and I thought it was a Republican that was just putting that out to go against Biden. That's all. Um, 
it was politics, but they made it seem like they were really, you know, America should not share anything with China. <laughs> That's, that's, that's unfortunate that people would talk like that. It goes again with the uh, lack of understanding about the need for diversity, which is one of our most important characteristics. The more diverse we are, the better off we are. And the more we recognize that the world is getting smaller all the time, uh, the, the better off we will be. Well, time will tell. This is an article that talks about how uh, vaccinated people can spread Delta, even though they uh, may have not developed the infection. And this article talks about it, how it spread. And it talks about how they tested the uh, patients who were uh, vaccinated and those who weren't. And they found that uh, both groups could spread the, the uh, virus, which is something that uh, Buchanan had been talking about for some time. Uh, and But the tests demonstrated that uh, uh, that is the case that uh, uh, vaccinated patients can get the virus and can spread the virus, even though they are asymptomatic. Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing with, with children, though, uh, that even though they may not get sick and they, they come to school and uh, they spread it, I think that's why all the, all the teachers and staff are now uh, mandated to get vaccinated. Yeah, and it makes sense, it makes sense. Well, what, what is the situation now, John, relative to the teachers? Um, they're having a big fight right now <laughs> about going back. The discussion is around um, CO2 carbon filters in every classroom. Uh, they Teachers want that. And um, they want to uh, have verification about the parents being vaccinated more so than the <laughs> children <laughs> when when they come to school because you know if the parents have it and they send their child they give it to their child who as we know won't even show signs of it sometimes they come to school then they can give it to the teachers. And the teachers may be fully vaccinated and still get it. So it's a circus. It really is a vicious cycle. But can you talk about the CO2 carbon filters in every classroom? No, I know nothing about that. They also oh, have, they also have a, a device, um, a machine that can you can put into a room and it can tell you if the room has uh, bad viruses in it. Or not. not? I'm not familiar with that either. So. Yeah, it can't tell you the names of the virus because, of course, that's impossible. There's millions of viruses, but it can tell you if there are some viruses 
in your environment that are harmful. No, I'm not aware of that, so we'll have to do some research on that. Now, um, many are concerned about the uh, ethical aspects of this new mandate because all HHS employees are now mandated to take the uh, vaccine. And uh, uh, many people think that's unethical. All the members of the military will be required to be vaccinated. Uh, what are your thoughts about it? Because that's the ethical nature of it is the question. You know, that's, that's what the Republicans are like uh, DeSantis and, and those folks are saying that the government should not be mandating this, that people can decide, you know, to, to get vaccinated or, or not. It shouldn't be uh, the government. What are your thoughts? I understand that. What are your thoughts? Big brother, I, um, I believe the government should do that because, you know, the, the government takes on the responsibility of, of the health of the nation. And I mean, if you look at it, you know, we uh, 650 million people died from this. This, this is a, a, a huge responsibility. Uh, people deciding to not get vaccinated, that's not working. That's killing people. So, yeah, I, I believe that the mandate is important. Yes, Any other thoughts on it from me? Yes, from also a cost factor. Yes, the cost of trying to keeping the people healthy and um and so that they will not be attracted to the virus and the cost of um hospitalizing the people with the virus any other That's thoughts on everyone yeah it's just as unethical to have unvaccinated people harm other people <laughs> that's that's it that's the most unethical is <laughs> any other thoughts on the subject uh, because I heard um, that talking about the military, they said that the military takes, uh, they're supposed to, whatever their commandment, their uh, officers over them um, tell them to do, they're supposed to do it. So they if have the to. officers tell them to uh, get vaccinated, they should. So, I mean, they have to. Yeah, that's correct. I to say. So um, I feel like I'm more in favor of them mandating. I think if it came from one person and, and it president or the Fauci or whoever has the authority, it would be great if, but everyone isn't gonna do it, but I think it would be great if they would comply if someone in authority said everyone has to be. Yeah, and you see that California was the first state to require all teachers and school staff to get vaccinated or tested weekly. Um, I have a question about that, Doc. So if uh, there are breakthrough cases, even though it might be a low percentage, um, what about having everybody tested <laughs> weekly? You know, because breakthrough cases, even though they may not have uh, uh, symptoms, they may, what do you call it, asymptomatic, they, you know, they may not get sick, but they can spread it. That's already been documented. You know, I was thinking about, okay, 
you got vaccinated or you test every week, but what about the ones that are vaccinated that get infected and can carry it? Well, the goal, the goal of his intention is if you don't get vaccinated, you should be tested weekly so that uh, they know that you don't have the virus. Uh, now, you bring up another issue, which is a separate issue, which is that, uh, yeah, the, those vaccinated can be done as well. But, but his intent was to just get those people vaccinated. Uh, and if you couldn't be vaccinated, to be tested weekly. But that, that, is, that does escape uh, what he's talking about, different issue. What, what's the percentage of uh, breakthrough cases so far with Delta? Do you know, does anybody know that? Uh, there's so, there so many different studies. They have different versions. Uh, and I think it seems like it's more like about between 20 and 30%, something like that. Why did they come up? What about those other six days? <laughs> I mean, I. Other what? The other six days, if they're going to be tested, if you haven't gotten the shot and they said you have to be tested weekly, um, once you get the test, I guess it will show right away. Um, but what about the you could get infected the very next day so that's true but that's the that's the that's then they, they don't want to do it every day so so yeah. once weekly seems reasonable i think maybe if they say every day more people will do it so they won't have to take the test well but once weekly is uh yeah. is is reasonable okay this is interesting that uh, two states count for nearly 40% of the new coronavirus hospitalizations. And those are both states that uh, have different ways of handling the vaccination issue. You see their vaccination rates are very low. And it's, it's not, not like they change because the uh, Administrations in those states uh, have different philosophies on uh, uh, vaccinations and and mask mandates. So, uh, and the Texas government governor got COVID. Right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, DeSantis is uh, uh, well known for his opinion. And Dr. Callender, it probably has nothing to do with the fact that those are border states. Oh, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they are border states. Because a lot of people come into the country who are COVID positive and they don't they don't know it. And so I, I think that that that's uh, that's part of the problem. I think we have to do better about testing those people who are coming across the border. And if they're uh, positive, they should be kept out. Now, this is an interesting article <laughs> in which uh, there are many nurses who uh, uh, feel that their autonomy is taken away because vaccine is mandated. And uh, many nurses are part of this. And, uh, 
this is an interesting article because uh, nurses feel they have the freedom to take the vaccine if they want to or not take it. And uh, uh, they do, but they don't, but they shouldn't be working at the hospital if they're not taking the vaccine because uh, the hospital should not be this, the source of the uh, virus. And that's, that's the argument that goes on. But there have always been groups who have been anti-vaccine and this has not changed. Uh, while 95% of the doctors have taken it, significantly less of the nurses have uh, taken it. Um, we only have, I think, just one nurse or two nurses on panel. I know Pearlene's on there. Is there any reason? Okay, 95% doctors. I thought knowledge was power. Um, why are the nurses, they have the knowledge of it. Why are they fighting it? So maybe Pearlene can address that. I know she can't speak for all the nurses. I really cannot. Yeah, I really cannot speak for all the nurses, but I don't know why they're not taking it. I think they just don't want foreign stuff in their body. I don't know. I really don't know. I took mine. I think that uh, some of them are uh, arguing that it should be up to me to make a decision about my body. Basically. Yeah, yeah that's all, all that's good, but you can't work in my hospital. That's all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so far, the courts have supported that position. But uh, it's interesting that in most hospitals, uh, you still have about 30% of the staff that are not vaccinated. Now that will have to change uh, uh, by uh, certain dates in September and October, because uh, the rule is if, you don't, if you're not vaccinated, you don't have a reason you will not be employed at the hospital any longer. My brother, my brother and his wife just retired from the military and they're refusing to take the vaccine. They don't trust the government. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, this is another take on it. This is uh, where in Tennessee, they, they protested school mask mandate and they are, uh, trying to punish those people who, who wear masks, which, which is uh, interesting how people uh, respond. I saw an article today where uh, a teacher was attacked and uh, had the mask ripped off the face at school. Yeah, well, you see so many unreasonable things that happen. Uh, uh, and a lot of it is, is, is uh, thought to be related to autonomy, but uh, the autonomy is you have the right to wear the mask. <laughs> Just as you have the right not to wear the mask. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting how whatever position you take, somebody will take the opposite position, <clears throat> regardless of the wisdom of doing so. It's just that a lot of those opposite people are from the South. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Well, Republican. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be cited in the courts as well as other places because uh, 
it's uh, very divisive and very dangerous. Dr. Callender, um, there was um, a situation where in the court, uh, someone was a criminal because they spread AIDS to another individual. They knew they had AIDS and they deliberately infected someone else with AIDS. And so they became a criminal and got arrested and probably did some jail time. Um, my question is, uh, do you ever think that we'll get to that point where somebody who has the virus deliberately gives it to someone else and then they, uh, they become a criminal for that act? It's kind of hard to, to figure out how, I don't know. That's an interesting question because uh, for uh, the AIDS, there was, uh, there was there's one way of giving it by having sex. Right. Whereas with uh, the virus, uh, there isn't one way of doing it. You know, breathing on somebody, uh, uh, I don't know how you can say that that's an act. So I don't know how anybody could uh, take somebody to court to say that they deliberately gave it to somebody else. Uh, time will tell, but I don't know how they could do that. How you could prove that in a court of law. Yeah, you'd have to pass laws making it a crime for specific acts. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> now this is, uh, it's interesting how the journalists paint things. This <laughs> student dies uh, after the governor doubles down against mask mandate, almost trying to say the governor's responsible for his death. Uh, well, I think that's going a bit far because the, the evidence does support the feeling that children uh, die of COVID-19 rarely. Of course, if that's your child, that's 100%, but the data still supports the fact that children are not as often uh, affected by it as uh, adults. Well, Dr. Calder, that's a case right there that would be tested in the court. Can the uh, governor? I doubt it. You doubt it, okay. Well, the reason I doubt it is because how can you show that the, that the governor, see the data, uh, you remember we saw that graphic earlier that two of a million students die from uh, COVID. So the data would support the governor's position. Uh, he could use that data to support his case. Uh, so it would be difficult. And just as uh, Daryl had pointed out, you'd have to have laws that uh, make a criminal offense, which we don't have. This this uh, thirteen year old was in the band. She was a band member. Yeah. Um, I was thinking when it first came out, the CDC gave all these precautions for music, vocal music. You know, was a mass. They said couldn't have band, orchestra, string orchestra, maybe, but band because of playing an instrument. CDC still giving guidelines to music teachers. John Buchanan, you know about that? 
I really don't know. I, I don't have any any information about that. But uh, you know the the, um, the college kids are going back to campus. Uh, I think the majority of them have to be vaccinated. I did um, a freshman kickoff last Saturday uh, for the Notre Dame freshman incoming class, and uh, the band performed. We were all inside in a room, the uh, the alumni band, and uh, you know it, it it just felt safe that um, you know since all the kids were were vaccinated that that was a much much better and safer situation than just having it open, you know, um, and you know the the marching band practices outside a lot, but also they practice inside, so there's you know, it's just like the uh, the football teams and the baseball teams that that you see now. If everybody's vaccinated, there's much less of a chance of of spread. You know, so I, I feel better about that. But it's still a chance now. You know, if everybody's not vaccinated um, and there's no way to mandate that, I'd, I'd be very very nervous about that. So, we have our first. Uh choir rehearsal this Saturday. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, everybody is supposed to be vaccinated, but there's no documentation of that. Uh, but anyway, the first rehearsal is this Saturday coming up and it's gonna be interesting to see. I, I, I have a conflict, so I can't go. I had planned to go, but I, this is National Memorial Donor Awareness Month and I have many uh, activities that month. Impossible. Do, do they have do they have the singers masks? Yes, they yes. No, the singers mask. Uh, have you seen one? Yes, it sticks out in front. <laughs> okay. So how other than sticking out? Well, how how are they different? Um, how are they more prone? How are they different than regular masks? I personally don't know. I think Dr. Callender knows. I think you got no, it. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it myself, so I can't answer that question. And I asked that question because I went, when you mentioned in the last week's session, I went to um, Amazon and looked at them and uh, I talked to a choir director friend of mine and we were both looking at them and we were just trying to figure out you, know, you, you can tell me the sky is blue, but that doesn't mean it's blue. It might be gray. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to see uh, the difference. So I'm, I'm you know, speak intelligent before I recommend something. Yeah, I, when I when I get a chance to wear one and, and get one, I will give you my feedback. But right now, I don't. I can't answer that question. Because I was wondering, other than the shape, would it have an extra filter? I don't know, so yeah. we'll have to find out. I guess no one, nobody on this call has used one. So. Um, uh, Dr. Callender. Yes. Um, I went online looking at the uh, singer's masks as well, and I read a little farther. Now, I don't know if this still is, but uh, I read that it has not been medically approved. So that, that, spoke, that spoke to me. Yeah, it, 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 it speaks 
yeah. I, I, and I, as I say, I, I haven't uh, done any research on it myself. Maybe by next next week we will talk more about that. Okay, for instrumentalists, um, I know I met a friend of mine that teaches wind instrument trumpet, and um, they say they had something for the bell of the brass instruments. And I don't know if they're medically approved. And then I, when I was looking online, I saw a mask for a flute player and et cetera that they have. But I was just wondering for the instruments, especially the brass instruments. I don't know about the flute, um, that's woodwind, but are what they have to protect from all of those um, par particles coming into that. There, there's really nothing you can do with a clarinet, a flute, a saxophone, bassoon, because all the the, the keys are are open all the time unless you're pressing down. So I mean, they're, they're, unless you're playing in a, a bubble, you know, which you can't <laughs> be heard if you're playing in a bubble, uh, it's impossible to to uh, prevent uh, particles from escaping for any woodwind instrument. It's just not possible. I mean, I, I saw an attachment on a flute that goes over the over the mouthpiece, but that, that that's good for the mouthpiece. But the the air and the aerosols go through the instrument and come out when you lift your fingers up. So it comes out the end of the flute anyway. Clarinet, saxophone, all the oboe, bassoon, same thing with all those instruments. And uh, a French horn, John knows that you 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 play with your hand in the bell with a French horn, you, you can't do that if you have a, 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 a cover over the bell. So that's gonna, <laughs> that'll affect the sound of any uh, orchestra or band with the, with the French horns. I think something interesting with the uh, French horn, uh, you can play stopped horn, S-T-O-P-P-E-D, uh, stopped horn. Um, and that means that you stick your hand as far as you can in the bell. And as if you were trying to stop the sound from coming out. And so it gives you a different sound, almost like a buzz sound, which is required in a lot of symphony orchestra pieces. But even with stopped horn, um, I think you're still gonna get some aerosols because anytime there is sound coming out from anywhere, they're going to be aerosols. Exactly. I can see your beauty better. Well, <laughs> well, we'll try to get some answers to this for our next, for our meeting next week. Um, now, this is uh, something that I thought would be interesting for us to appreciate. The fact that something we've known for some time is that uh, we know that by 2050, uh, the uh, majority of the people will be uh, non-white and uh, uh, and so uh, it's now beginning and we now have the data for the first time the census is showing the white population is decreasing uh, and of course the non-Hispanic the Hispanic population has, has increased to more than 17% uh, Excuse me, did you say the white population is decreasing? Yes. Well, I'm sorry? No, I said, well, now. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's only it's what it's what they feared and what Trump feared and the others feared, and it's coming to pass. Uh, and we're becoming much more multiracial and uh, multi-ethnic. Really, is the term because we we're all one race. But anyway, uh, so uh, it's it's uh, it's it's de it's depressing for some because they. They are trying to, and Trump was all about keeping America white, and so <clears throat> losing the battle. Well, and they thought um, if they had, they tried to kill blacks all as much as possible, and then they got into our heads and told us to stop having children. The American way was to have 2.5, but they've never gotten to the Hispanic head about <laughs> not having children. And <laughs> Yeah! <laughs>